Hey, welcome to the Sanctuary Church podcast. Sanctuary Church is a family following the path of Jesus together in Providence, Rhode Island. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can visit our website at sanctuaryri.org or check us out on social media. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope you are encouraged by today's teaching. A uh, quick adjustment. Uh, it was wrong on the screen, but uh, the heart date was correct. The day is wrong. It's Wednesday. All of our home churches are kicking off at that heart, and it is a Wednesday. Um, that is that date. You can, I think it's correct uh, online. Did I mess that up? Oh, it's all right online. Um, Adam did mention that pathway class. We were kind of re- rebranding and using some, retiring that name in one space and using it in another. And um, we could not be more excited about this sort of entry point into home church. So if you want to find out more about that again, come find me after church. I would love to chat with you or someone at the Next Steps bar. Um, I've told this story a couple times. Uh, I think a couple times. I can never remember. But I was struck by it again the other day. If someone were to break into my house in the middle of the night, they would think they had just broken into an airplane hangar. Uh, I say that in that the sound of noise machines emanating from every single seemingly room in the house and then through like the child monitor, so it comes in at like different frequencies. It's just... Anyone else? I did not grow up with noise machines. I never fell asleep to them. Uh, my wife did. And, and then it was a real like, great addition with the children, like just having a little bit of background noise. We are pretty positive at this point that we are doing long-term damage to the hearing of our kids. Like, I'm actually not joking about it. It's not even funny. Like, we're pretty sure we got to really turn them down. And I talked to a doctor the other day about it. And they're like, yeah, that actually happens. I'm like, cool. This is the only way, though, at this point, it seems that anyone can sleep. Um, and on a regular basis, the noise machines get um, left on. So like the one in our bedroom will turn off, but the ones upstairs where the kids are will sort of stay on and we'll go through the whole morning and sometimes on our way out the door, we'll remember to turn them off. But even on like a Saturday, they'll just sit there humming Uh, And it's that like moment where that noise that seems so prevalent when you first turned it on is now faded so far into the background. You don't even notice them anymore. You know, um, when I can tell that they're actually um, there and in the house at all, then is when they get turned off. That off button is incredibly powerful. It's like all of a sudden it feels quieter uh, than, than, than ever, than at any other point in our house. And so it, it, is, a, it is a tired reminder at this point, because it's coming not just from the church, but from everywhere, is that um, life is incredibly loud. And as a follower of Jesus, in the season that we're entering into, I mean, both the new year, um, but specifically this time where we want to pay close attention, as Adam said, to our own attention, like paying attention to the how we're paying attention to God throughout the day to day, that when life gets too loud, I can revert to looking for God in places that are legitimate, like signs and open doors and coincidences. And, and a lot for me, it's like information and podcasts 
This is where I look and try to find God. But faith, we are told in the scriptures, faith, the kind of thing we're after. Faith, the thing that is lauded by Jesus. Faith, which apparently is this thing that like makes stuff happen. People who walk by faith being like central. We say this at the end of our service every week. Central to what it is to just be a person, right? Because we know everyone has faith, not just Christians, not just Muslims, not just religious people. Everyone has faith. But our faith in the Lord, the faith comes from, we are told in scriptures, faith comes from what? Do you know? Hearing. I'm tired. I'm going to sit for a second. <laughs> faith comes from hearing. There is this passage where Jesus says, my sheep, and he's talking about himself as the shepherd, my sheep will hear my voice and follow me. This is not my sheep, followers of Jesus, will read the Bible and follow some general moral principles. Those are good things, reading the Bible and following moral principles. But he says, my sheep will hear my voice. Faith comes from hearing. There's this infamous passage, 1 Kings 19, famous passage, 11 to 13. This guy, Elijah, pretty regular dude. He's going through it. Hard, hard season. Desperate for God, needs hope. And then he has this wild encounter. And all these powerful displays of power come, places where you would expect God to speak. But he doesn't hear his voice until in, in a very unexpected place and moment. We read in verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Okay. Like, that's a great promise for Elijah, no? Okay, I'm going to go there. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. These are, by the way, are not just like old primal expectations. I think to this day, we expect God to show up in these big moments. And it's not that he doesn't. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. There were cultural expectations that these are the places. This is why we're being told this. When Elisha heard it, oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm going to skip the best part. The Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mountain of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why does the creator of the universe speak like this? Why a whisper? Is that the best God can do for Elijah? Isn't this honestly part of the problem? It's like God's just too quiet. Or one writer says, there are two myths that bite at the very foundation of hearing God. Stay with me if you would. One is that hearing God is all about me. Being intimate with God is all about me and my intimacy with him. And, and the second myth is, is that it's kind of all about God. And I know that sounds right, but here's what he means. The truth is like any real conversation is about both. Conversation is about the will, needs, and wants, and life of, like is, is not about the will, needs, and wants, and life of one person. 
That's called a monologue. And that's how many of us think about our conversations with God. It's like either they're all about us with this intense focus on me, or what he means by they're all about God is this kind of singular focus on simply learning, on theology, and and then it's like on his will, which of course is central. But it's as if there's this idea that God never really considers us and has nothing to say to us as a community, a sanctuary, or even to me personally. I I agree with him because I think both views are incredibly immature. God desires intimacy with you. And so it's important to start like the new year. This is our focus for First Seek by understanding that the God in Jesus through the Holy Spirit desires closeness and intimacy. There's this phrase that was in vogue for a long time. And I think it's kind of gone out of vogue. I think I've even from the front said many times, the idea that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus isn't in the Bible. And it's true. It's not in there if you came from a tradition that used that language. But I'm kind of like, feel like the most punk rock, like clear-headed, countercultural thing I can do right now is like reinstate that language is actually very helpful. Because you can. You can interact with the Lord of the universe. This is one of the distinctly unique claims of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. You can hear God. And another phrase that's gone out of vogue, which Sarah just mentioned and just put, encouraged us to not use, so I'll just say use it with just adults, is like quiet time, right? Oh, you gotta have your quiet time. And then you'll, you'll, you'll I don't know if you follow the same like accounts online that I do. I just follow, just to kind of keep an ear on all those that are just, get really, they just, their whole life and career is built around like taking shots at their church experience growing up. That's fine. A little bit, but it's like this term, like, yeah, God never commanded you to have a quiet time. I'm like, no, he he didn't. But Jesus got away daily to pray in the morning. So can we just call it that? Because that seems to be what it is. Have a quiet time and have a relationship with God. These things center on this simple idea that you can hear God and we can grow in our ability and capacity to, as my friend John says, hear the signal through the noise. I don't know about you, like Adam just said, who's like one of the elders at our church. Like the, the, the older we get in any relationship, it should grow, it should grow and keep growing. I hope that my relationship with my wife is better at our 40 year anniversary than it is now at our 12th. I hope that we're actually growing in our ability to hear and connect and understand what the other is doing. God desires this kind of relationship. We get a snapshot of this in um, one of the early followers of Jesus, a guy named John. John, one of the four gospels, gives us this account of Jesus's life. What's interesting is his account is you can connect his revelation about Jesus. In other words, this insight that he relays to us about Jesus You can connect it to his proximity and connection and intimacy with Jesus. First off, John was very, very, very likely Jesus's best friend, or at least that's how he likes to describe himself. He continually says, like, I'm the one that Jesus loves. So maybe we can't take that at full face value just on that line, but we see throughout the book, this seems to be pretty clear. On a number of occasions, he describes himself even as the one that Jesus loves. It was his identity. He was the last of the 12 disciples at the cross, the first one at the grave. John, remember, took care of Jesus' mother. Jesus from the cross says, John, will you please? After his death at Jesus' request, um, John lays his head, sorry, on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper, which was a, a, a sign of deep friendship. 
About 80% of the material actually in John also is unique, telling us things that the other three accounts don't. Many have posited that this is what it is when you walk in greater intimacy. You get this in-depth picture of Jesus. And during this first seek season, all we simply want to say to you and to each other and speak over our own souls is we can live a life like this. You can live a life of closeness and intimacy. Amen? Anyone experienced that, had seasons of that? You can live a life like this. Is the reason that God is whispering to Elijah because God's actually just one step away. Maybe God speaks to us in a whisper because he's close. Maybe he doesn't need to speak any louder. When Corey and I like, have our date nights, when the kids go to bed and the screens get turned off and we turn some jazz on and the candles come out, it's like the noise of the world just fades away. I can lower my voice and I, I'm, my ability to listen just heightens. It's like you're in a whole new space. You don't shout when you're close to someone. And so I, I throw this out there as a simple thought, but maybe God isn't the problem when it comes to hearing him. Maybe we are. Maybe the burden of hearing God isn't on him. I would never put that burden on Corey or on my kids. Like you're the issue. I think it's so easy for us to walk around with our fingers in our ear or sort of our cognitive worry and spiritual speakers on blast and then we pray prayers like God speak to me but what if he's spoken what if he's speaking what if we're missing the point and we have been for a while now remember Jesus's primary message to us in the gospels the thing he says the most he says repent the kingdom of heaven is where where near the rule and reign of God is near which means the king is near Paul says this, St. Paul in Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands. And if he needed anything, rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. It goes on. He marked out people's appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. I mean, there it is right there. This is, God has placed you here at this moment and at this time and appointed you. And because you're, the, you're who God wants to use to reach the world. And he's saying, you reach out for me, seek me, draw near to me. I'm not far. This all is relational language, like language of connection. God is not going to power up and control us. God's sovereignty does not mean he just sort of inserts himself. God is inviting us like any friend, like any person, like any lover, which God is described of constantly in the scriptures. The invitation is to come here, come near. And then it ends that we, uh, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets, Paul's talking to some folks um, who don't believe in God, but have this clear openness to truth. We are his offspring. We have this parent-child picture here at the end. Growing up um, in my house, my absolutely wonderful, justice-minded, hot-blooded Irish mother 
um, was not the quiet one in the house. Anyone have a mom like that? That's just fire. Kind and loving, but just fire. <laughs> it's like two kids who are like, yep, that's my mom, and their mom's sitting right next to them. That was a great move. John Strong move. <laughs> my dad was quiet and steady. And it was interesting. My mom tended to be the primary disciplinarian. And you want to know the person we listened to least? Mom. She was on us. She was right like 95% of the time and came in hot. And it was like, okay, mom. It just became a lot of noise. It just like triggered your fight reflex and your defensive reflex. But my dad, oh, I can feel it in my bones as I'm about to share this story. My dad would just go, like, I, like I'm in trouble for something. And, and he just would look up at me. I remember this one moment. He was kind of in his little study and he looked out the door and he said, Andrew. <laughs> he said my name, shook my head, shook his head sort of in a quasi, like a loving way, but like a, you know better than that. And I was gutted. I'm sorry, dad, I'll never do it again. I love you, I honor you. I, it just lost it. <laughs> and this is his, this is his MO and it drove my mom nuts, but that's another sermon. Uh, we'll talk about that at the marriage seminar. Um, yeah, a whisper. Is, it was just more powerful in my home than a raised voice. A whisper is for your kids. Whispers for your spouse. It's for those you're most intimate with. John, the one Jesus loves, tells us that Jesus uh, said that in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have the same kind of relationship with him that John had. First step then to hearing God and growing in intimacy is simply saying Yes. John says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God, which is a way of saying you're not in Christ, which is a way of saying, I have a hard time singing, our God reigns, our God reigns. You're like, okay, let's stop singing that refrain. But for those of you who are in Christ, you're like, let's go another like 15 rounds of that. Our God reigns, like... You just start to feel like the impact of being in Christ, of recognizing your right relationship with God, that he is king over all. When you find yourself then swept up, right? The truest thing about you is that you are adopted son and daughter in him, that you're in his house and that he is a good and perfect father. That we're told is the truest thing about you and will set you free to live the life of heaven here and now. If you want to hear the voice of God and be intimate with him, you need to say yes to him. To say yes to that kingship. And by the way, that's not like a, I prayed the prayer once in a church or at a camp and now I'm like, good, like this, that's nothing. It's nothing. It's to continually, day in and day out. To be of God is to count him as father. Is to say yes to his grace and love. And when we do this, we receive the Holy Spirit, which, quote, dwells with you and will be with you. The Holy Spirit will remind you of everything Jesus said, John tells us. The Holy Spirit is constantly whispering to us, telling us who we are and the promises of the Savior. Again, Jesus said in that same book of John, my sheep will hear my voice. I know them. This staggering promise 
So if it's true that God is close and I can hear him and I can say yes to him as king and accept his grace and his kingship, I will recognize his voice. And so the natural question, I think, for a lot of us is how come for many of us this feels so hard and challenging or even not believable? We're going to keep exploring this over this season, but I want to say this. Relationships grow in intimacy, or at least they, they can it's just directly linked to us learning how to hear what God is truly saying and hearing that better and better. To hear God's voice, we have to learn to listen and how to listen. And so there's a few questions if you're taking notes you can maybe jot down. What's the loudest voice in my life? My prayer used to be, God, speak to me. And now it's, Lord, let your voice be the loudest voice. Harper, my oldest, when she was four or five, probably four, four, I remember saying, Dad, could we, um, could we pray? We were in bed. I was like, yeah. Oftentimes I would pray for them. She wanted to pray today. And she just, God, will you speak um, loudly so I can hear your voice? To this day, that prayer is prayed every single night in our house. Every single night. Harper with this like, very practical, Lord, would you speak loudly so I can hear your voice? I think we often just leave God on the shelf until we need him. We make vows and submit our life to listen to Jesus, but then spend very little time with him. We spend so much time excluding him from our awareness. We make him Lord over our life in theory, but we do not make him Lord over most of the moments that make up our life. And we don't ever ask the question, what's the loudest voice? Because sometimes the prayer is, Lord, help me turn down all of these other noises. God invites us to be single-minded, which doesn't mean we have only one thing on our mind. It does mean that we try to always include one thing on our mind. To keep God front and center. God wants to you to be aware of, your, of his presence, which helps lead you to a place and a posture of listening. And so these central questions, like, do you want to listen? Do you want to learn to listen? Simple places to start are like, obviously through scriptures, through mentors. God can speak through, you know, content. He often does for me. A good conversation grows as we do. Maturity and experience are always linked to communication. Again, if my wife and I get to our 40th anniversary and we're not communicating better, something is wrong because relationships should grow. Every season, there's a new communication hurdle for my wife and I. I'm like really excited again about marriage summit just so like we can get our hands on this again. Every season, there's something different. There are so many different ways that we connect with one another where we end up missing each other. I get lawyerly in conflict. She hates debate. I write songs and poems and speak big flowery over the top language and that is not her love language at all. There are times, right, I like struggle to understand where she's coming from or why she said what she said and that's not because my wife isn't speaking to me or my wife somehow just forgot the way I speak. She just doesn't think or speak the way I do. Hold that phrase. The truth is that God doesn't think or speak the way you do. If you want to hear him, 
again, I'm the one who might want to consider changing because I think we can be tempted to treat God like we treat others and we place ourselves in the center of the universe and demand that others and God kind of adopt the way that we think and adopt the way that we speak. And I know if you're walking with Jesus, you're like, no, no, of course not. I know, like he's king and I'm sinful and I'm broken. But like, th- then there is this, this, um, this invitation to move toward him and to seek to understand him more. Again and again, the scriptures, in the scriptures, the first followers of Jesus seem completely incapable of understanding Jesus' clear message because they have their own agenda that needs using. Disciples that are, if you're new to the Bible, disciples, followers, apprentices that are walking with him face to face while he's physically here, the God in the universe on earth, and they don't get him and they don't understand him. And they ask him to interpret time and again what he's doing and what he's up to and why he told that story. They have an understanding of God that needs losing or they have their own agenda that needs losing. Look, deepening our relationship with God requires that we hop out of the conversational driver's seat. We can't fall into the temptation of speaking at God or not listening or believing that I don't have anything God wants to hear. We can't go to him with my list and then assume something ridiculous about his character that he's silent, for example, when I don't want to hear it. You learn how he talks and learn like the shape of his heart. God, remember, is the anchored and steady one who's always good. Remember, oh, I am the one who's unfaithful and unsteady. So the first step in hearing God is understanding that we need to grow. We need to grow. It's natural to have to grow in understanding just as it's natural for a kid to have to learn how to communicate in the first years. Dad doesn't learn to speak toddler, though I can understand it actually pretty well. (laughs) Toddler what? Learns to speak dad. I'm toddler. God is dad. You guys following? We're being invited to grow and to hear him more and to understand him because he loves us. Because he loves us. I always think of this passage whenever I talk about prayer and listening to God in James. It says the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Which is a way of saying someone who believes that the God who created the universe is at work here and now and speaking and leading. Somebody who is open to that. Somebody who's aware and listening. That's going to be powerful. It's going to be powerful. I want that. Does anyone else want that? There's not a whole lot of new content in this talk here. I just simply wanted us to have some like beginning of the year reminder. This is why we do this always at the beginning of the new year. Because we want to be led by God this year. We want to have vision and clarity. It's that line that we sing in that song that came out of our community. Come, Spirit, come. We won't move till you come. We want to be led by you. As for me, Micah said, I will watch and wait on God. I want the life of heaven, and so I need to recognize that I am not in the driver's seat. I want to trust that God actually cares for me, that I can hear his voice and follow where he goes. 
And so if I'm at like a five-year-old level, I want to keep growing. And by the way, that's okay. I think a lot of us here talk like this and they're like, yeah, this is always the problem. I'm not good enough. Welcome to church. <laughs> Anyone else feel that? <laughs> I always find a way to mess everything up. Why would my relationship with God be any different? And I just say this, would you expect someone who's married for five years to be able to communicate with their partner as though they've been married for 40? No. Would you expect a toddler just learning to walk to run a marathon? No. No. There's no shame and guilt in needing to grow because God, man, he's just so unbelievably, like just so unbelievably loves us. Even those of us that are unfaithful and hard-hearted, he constantly, again and again in the Bible, he's got this one move where he just climbs down to our level, speaking to us right where we are, right in the middle of our distorted agendas. It is grace that just comes and meets us right there. And so one of the invitations, if this talk had a name, it'd be like, find your chair. Follow me. What do we do and what are we inviting you to then this season? There are two words, place and posture. We want to encourage you to find a place in your home and in your rhythm with a posture of expectancy and faith. So find your chair, just like a cheeky way of saying like, if you struggle with morning quiet time, we're going to reclaim that. You struggle with carving out even just a few minutes to spend time with God, to open the word, to say, God, would you speak to me through it? And not just content, though, to open a journal and just take a few minutes to pray, build a corner. I don't know, like, what that's like for you. For me, it, it involves really lame, this is like my millennial influence, I guess, on me. It's like, I just, I want, like, really nice coffee in a desaturated mug with, like, a candle and a really nice journal and a and a runny pen. <laughs> I'm kind of making fun of myself, but that's literally exactly what I want. Um, right? Like, and there's a spot and a chair in my house that I can just sit in. A friend of a friend told this story of feeling, um, re realizing, feeling convicted that he had no basic rhythm. This guy was the head of this big marketing agency. And no good rhythm. He was convicted by his pastor to spend some time. And so sure enough, he went out and bought a chair that he loved and kind of set up in a little corner of the house. And he built a rhythm where he put some worship music on and spent a few minutes in the scriptures and then just asked, Lord, what do you have for me? Help me to hear your voice. Spending time listening and talking. He explains this whole scenario and he's just the kind of guy who like, if he says he's going to do it, he did it. He's going to do it. And he made the place enjoyable. The view was enjoyable. The space was just meaningful. And so his wife is asked by a friend, by this friend, hey, has there been any impact? Have you noticed anything about your husband? And her response was this emphatic, everything has changed. Everything. As she goes on just to tell story after story of the way he's calmer with the kids, 
of the way he is just so much more thoughtful, invites us to pray in times and places he never has before. I notice when anxiety wells up in our household and stress at work, he just carries himself so differently through the day. Fast forward a few years, he ends up making this epically silly decision in the eyes of the world to leave his advertising agency and go and join help start a church with some friends. She just reflecting on this is like never in a billion years would I think he would do something like that. To let go of that money, to chase something like that was so in the opposite place. You know why he did this? And she just goes, the chair. It's that stinking chair. Fast forward to his funeral years and years later. And the thing that they most talked about and wanted to pass down to the next generation, you can guess what it was. It was that chair. It was just thing after thing after thing that came from carving out daily space to trust that God is alive and active and loves him and wanted to shape who he was becoming. Finding a place to listen and adjusting your posture to one of expectancy and faith. Faith will set the basis for what you hear. Have a posture of inclining your ear toward God. When it comes to listening to God, your expectation changes everything. We are told to seek God, which is to put your mind, set your mind and affections on God, whether you feel like it or not. This is what we do when we worship together. We seek God. We set our mind and our affections on God. Have you ever been in a season of a lot of sin? And you're like, the last thing I want to do is actually go sit before the Lord because you know what's coming. You know, conviction and resolve and all those things are there. Set your mind on him. Find your chair will be our, our refrain throughout First Seek this year. As I was writing this talk, putting my notes together the other day at home, Harper, my nine-year-old, came to me and said, can you please play with me now? And about a half a dozen times, and she's come to learn that one minute means keep asking and 20 minutes from now. I'm working on it, guys. I'm really working on it. And finally, she just said, Dad. I'm like, yes, Harper, I'm coming. I'm so sorry. I'm coming. No, she said, no, no, Dad. She looks me in the eye and just goes, Dad, this is how you do it. I'm like, I'm listening. Turn off your phone. Close your computer. And Play with me. Holy Spirit, we hear your invitation. We receive your invitation for us to draw near. Holy Spirit, come. Just going to respond. Um, uh, the, the altar space is up front. It's open. If you'd like to come up um, and receive prayer, prayer ministers, you can wander down here. A uh, couple things. One, I think there may be some of us that need to just decide that we're going to 
give God regular time. So if that's you, <laughs> just you, tell God this morning, God, I, I'm going to resolve to give this to you. You may want to come and have someone pray for you. For some of us, there may be unbelief in our hearts uh, that God can actually talk to us. And unbelief that God can talk to you makes it very hard to hear his voice. And so for some of us this morning, I just want to invite you to renounce it, right? It's, in the, it's all throughout the Bible. Andrew preached like 6,000 verses on it. Um, but if you hold that, like, I don't really think God wants to talk to me. That's a lie. And so I want to invite you to just break agreement with the lie and, um, and ask God to give you faith uh, that he can speak to you. And for others of you, maybe this morning, you just need to ask God to open your spiritual eyes and ears to hear him more clearly. Amen. Um, so the altar's open, but I'm just going to superimpose the altar on everyone this morning because I just want to just practice this for a minute, okay? So um, sometimes it helps me to quiet myself just to look at Jesus with my imagination. You know how Sarah had the kids up here? I just think there's something about kids that uh, they, they get God better than us adults, that life has beaten all the joy out of us. And so I just want to invite you, Sarah asked the question, where's your, where's your favorite place? And Andrew asked, where's your chair? Um, and so I just invite us all right now, just close your eyes. And um, I think God wants to whisper something to you this morning. And so I want you to form a question in your heart and you could ask God whatever you want to ask him, but especially encourage you to ask him, Lord, do you love me? Or you could ask him, how do you see me? Or you could ask him, is there anything you want to say to me? Just as that car alarm goes off, we're just going to quiet ourselves and imagine that we're in our chair or our favorite place. And as you're sitting there, you see Jesus approach you. And as you look at him in your imagination, the Holy Spirit even inspire our imagine right, imagination right now to see and hear you, Jesus. You can see that he's smiling at you and that he loves you. And just right now, Jesus, is there anything you want to do just watch for a second. Maybe he wants to give you a hug. And then as you look at Jesus, I want you to invite, I want to invite you to ask him the question that's on your heart. Lord, what about this? And Jesus leans up to you and he whispers in your ear. What does he say? Let's just take a minute and practice listening to him. <laughs> 